0: You're listening to The Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to The Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Joshua Price. Josh, it's good to have you with us.
1: Thanks, Eric. It's uh, good to be here.
0: So Josh and I have a little bit of history. Josh and I went to seminary together, but probably more importantly, we worked together in the oil change business. And Josh, I would say literally we were in the pits of despair together. It's got to count for something.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's, there's definitely a brotherhood that, that you develop.
0: That's right. We're, we're a band of brothers who were in the pit changing oil together in the heat of summer in Kentucky. So we're, yep. we're definitely bonded. Well, Josh is a graduate from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He has a keen interest in philosophical tradition, including Thomas Aquinas. Andy is the father of four children, husband to one wife. Now, on this episode, we are going to be talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. We're going to look at both the organization, what it is, what some of its beliefs are, and especially why prominent evangelicals have been putting their support behind the organization. So, we want to ask and hopefully answer a fundamental question should Christians support Black Lives Matter? Now, likewise, should Christians be blacking out their Facebook profile pictures? Should they be joining protests, especially those against systemic racism or sharing posts with the hashtag Black Lives Matter? So, Josh, I want to kick this your way. And and really, I want to begin with the Christian response. What are some of the things that you've seen in evangelical circles in regards to support for Black Lives Matter?
1: So I think a couple of the main things that I've seen. The uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, he put out a video uh, where he was addressing Southern Baptists, and he said that Southern Baptists need to clearly, as a gospel issue, uh, say Black Lives Matter.
2: Mm.
1: <clears throat> Another one uh, was a, a recent video that Matt Chandler uh, produced, the the leader of the village church there in Texas, and he said he basically said a similar thing to what J.D. Greer said. He said, we need to, um, we need to support saying black lives matter. And he was, he was also saying, you know, there's, there's light and there's dark in each in, in any given movement. So we need to support the light and reject the dark.
0: Right. Yeah. It's interesting because, and I watched both of these videos, um, particularly in the Matt Chandler video, he compares Martin Luther King jr. To the old Testament prophets and he says, you know, people today, you you've you've always killed the prophets, so you wouldn't listen to Martin Luther King Jr. today. One of the problems with that is that Martin Luther King Jr. was not a Christian, at least by any orthodox standard, right?
1: Right. I mean, the beliefs that Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, explained, especially in his seminary days, uh, were were certainly heretical, and I you can't you can't say that um, with any with any confidence that he was an orthodox. That his theology was orthodox. Right. Now,
0: one of the other questions I have is, right, you listen to J.D. Greer, you listen to Matt Chandler. I want to say they're almost very just slippery in the way that they equate, well, look, we care about justice. We care about black lives. Therefore, we have to support this organization. But I, I think that's a mistake. I think, and what I would also say, these guys are too smart to be making that mistake, it seems like, inadvertently. Right. There's something about that that's confusing, particularly, I think, for a lot of Christians who don't know where Black Lives Matter stands. And we'll we'll look at that in just a moment. But some of this is just plain unhelpful, right, from Christian leaders.
1: Right. I think I think one of the challenges that a lot of maybe maybe a lot of listeners and something that I've had is that I I have had a, a lot of respect for Matt Chandler's ministry. And I have benefited personally from uh, many of his sermons. So when when I see someone that I, I respect um, saying, you know, a couple of quotes here uh, that Black Lives Matter was launched from a kind of sincere hurt in the soul and psyche of African-American men and women. Yeah. I urge you as Christians to look for the light while you reject the darkness. And so when you see when you see him supporting Black Lives Matter or when you hear uh, like I heard that some of his some pastors from his church uh, marched in some of the protests, when you hear those things. Um, and you respect somebody, it's I think there's there's kind of a dissonance there. But one of the things I would also say, one of the problems I had with the video I watched was that it was very vague. You know, there wasn't like like you sort of alluded to, there was he wasn't making specific statements about okay, these are these are what I see as good things in black Lives Matter, and these are what I say, what I see are negative things in Black Lives Matter. He just sort of made this vague statement of you know, I, there's some light and there's some dark, and that's going to be the case in any organization.
0: Right. And I, I think one of the challenges with Black Lives Matter is, like, they were very, very clever. We'll get into some of this, but they were very clever in, in crafting kind of their slogan and their movement. Because on the surface, if you are opposing them, it sounds like you're arguing against the fact that Black Lives Matter, Right. Um, That that black people are created in the image of God, which is, of course, not what we would argue. Um, But I think you're right. There's a lack of discernment. And I don't see any of these men saying, "Okay, here are the issues with these movements. Here's why you, you know, at least here's some things that you need to think through. It's just sort of, yeah, we're with this in general. You don't get a lot of information. But, you know, we've seen guys like David Platt, Ed Stetzer. Of course, Tabidi Wabile, encouraging people to protest, um, mm-hmm. encouraging people to, to go out there and support what's going on. And I find it interesting at another level, too, because just a few weeks ago, these guys were saying, no, we shouldn't be having church. Right. But now now it's cool to meet with thousands of people in the streets. So at best, it seems like this would be very confusing uh, to mm-hmm. kind of your man on the street, Christian, like what's going on?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you you mentioned uh, JD Greer or you mentioned like not making specific statements. And then back right. to, to JD Greer's video, he actually it's interesting because he actually does make make one specific statement in that video. So he says, uh, by the way, I realize that the movement and the website has been hijacked by some political operatives whose worldview of policy prescriptions would be deeply at odds with my own. But that's but if we so if we look at that, that statement that's that factual claim is actually false, and so we can talk about that now, or we can talk about that in a little bit. Sure, but, um, that's actually not the case. Um, and then he said, I think he said something. Um, he mentioned the defund the police uh, right. hashtag that he doesn't agree with that. But then he said, but that doesn't mean that the sentiment behind it is untrue. And then right. he said, I do not, I do not align myself with the Black Lives Matter organization. So I think that's one of the fundamental problems: is that Christians are a lot of. Christians are claiming to, you know, they're, they're supporting Black Lives Matter sort of in the abstract, but they want to say, I'm doing that without supporting the organization itself.
0: Right. And it seems like that's really hard to actually do. I mean, yeah. if you're going to go protest with Black Lives Matter, well, you know, you're, you're supporting Black Lives Matter. You can try and walk your way out of that, but that, that's essentially what's happening.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: I I think there's also something that's interesting too. So I got into it a little bit with uh Tibidi on Twitter, and one of the things he kind of, you know, I asked him, I said, okay, so back to the George Floyd event. Show me data for systemic racism and particularly systemic police brutality racism uh against the black population. Um and he didn't respond. He just said, come on, man. But I think One thing that's not happening with these prominent evangelical leaders, no one is really questioning the narrative and the fundamental assumptions that there's systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just willing to say, oh, yeah, well, all these black people and we see it on the media. Like, we're just assuming it's real and it's true. But actually, I think when you look at the data, there's a lot of evidence to show it's not true. Um, And it seems like as an evangelical leader, you you would at least want to say, hey, we need to look at this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree that it's, that it's problematic for an evangelical leader to come out and just sort of tacitly accept the, the narrative that we're, that we're getting from the broader culture without trying to, without trying to pursue truth. Right. Um, and so one of the things that J.D. Greer said in this video was, let's not, or he said, let's spare each other the, the quotation of stats right now.
0: Right and I think he was he was he said he was quoting Jimmy Scroggins I think.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, he was he was he said my friend Jimmy Scroggins says, you know, so so this idea, there's this idea there. There's this argument that we don't need to look at statistics or factual <laughs> data. What we need to do are listen to these individual anecdotal stories and their feelings about what has has happened to these individual people. So if I if I have a specific experience and I'm a, a minority and I feel that that experience was racist or was an, an example of systemic racism. Well, then that must be true. And the majority culture, the, the white people need to accept that as fact.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, just from a logical, as you said, logical, rational perspective, this whole push. And this is where it's scary to me as a Christian pastor. You're pushing away from the direction of facts, truth and data. And Mm -hmm. and you're encouraging people to think with emotional reasoning, which even psychologists will label a cognitive behavioral distortion. Right. They even recognize like that's not helpful. And this whole thing of assuming racism, you hear these stories all the time. President Obama would say, I know what it's like to go through my neighborhood and watch people lock their doors. Well, if I'm sitting in a parking lot and I know I've done this a lot. Um, You're sitting in the parking lot at Target. I'm waiting to go into the store. I'm texting somebody on my phone. It could be a person of any color. If they're walking around my vehicle, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to lock my doors. Now, that person could go, well, it's it's because I'm Latino. It's because I'm black. But the, the whole point of this is that doesn't make it so. You could misperceive someone's intention. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff, and, and JD kind of seems to um sort of give them the ground on this and just say well the data might not back it up clearly if the data supported his claim i think he would point to facts exactly but they're willing to give that up and then just say well let's trust anecdotal evidence well we all know anecdotal evidence can be like it could be a true experience but not really representative of what they're trying to prove which is systemic racism
1: right yeah exactly no one at least the vast majority of folks out there are not questioning that there are, there are racist people, people, there are people who do racist things and mm-hmm. that that there can also be unjust things and, uh, and unjust things that happen in our uh, criminal justice system. I don't think anyone questions that, or I, I guess I should say very few people would actually question or challenge that unjust or racist things occur. But the question is, is there actual systemic injustice that is, um, you know, just has infiltrated our society and exists at every level of our culture and our government, et cetera.
0: Right. And and at the very least, that's something that you would want to examine by looking at facts and data and not simply by assuming that it's true. So one, one of the other things that uh, JD said, and, and I'm quoting now, he says, but I know that we need to take a deep look at our police systems and our structures and ask what we're missing. Where are we missing the mark? So mm-hmm. again, he says, well, first of all, let's not look at data, but let's assess how we're missing the mark. So there's an assumption that the police are missing the mark. Now, what yep. I find ironic and a- really absurd about this is that in the last couple of weeks. OK, we know of one black gentleman, George Floyd. It appears, at least by the information that we have now, it appears that some bad stuff was going on. Um, from the police, however, we've also learned that yeah. he was on drugs, including fentanyl and meth um, he's uh, 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 sort of has a grievous criminal past, um, so not the saint that he 's made out to be so you have one we have one example of that, maybe some police missteps, but still no information or data that that was race you know, racist in any way mm-hmm. But what's interesting is we do have videos of black and white people rioting in the streets for Antifa and Black Lives Matter, beating police officers up, destroying property, committing felonies, armed robberies of stores. What's interesting to me is that stuff is rampant. It's criminal. It's against both man's law and the law of God. And yet these guys don't want to talk about that stuff at all. Like they're not calling mm-hmm. out rioters or looters. And, and, and when I pressed him on it, like to he would say, well, of course we're against those things. But why is it? Why is it a problem to to not actually address them?
1: Well, I think it shows a fundamental inconsistency. Right. As Christians, we we want to be consistent and we want to support the truth consistently. We can't condemn an act of injustice when it's perpetrated by a white police officer and then be silent when acts of injustice are perpetrated by. Other, other organizations, you know, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or the, these rioters and looters that are out there, um, we, can't, we can't cherry pick what injustices we, we speak out against.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, final thing I want to, just in terms of these two guys, uh, J.D. Greer and Matt Chandler, these were two of the prominent videos. I want to ask you about something that Matt Chandler said. Yeah. Um, and, and he said this, and I'm quoting, he said, there are some radicals in there, Black Lives Matter, that I don't think speak for the entire movement. Um, do you think this is true or helpful?
1: I think that's it's a lot like J.D. Greer's comment, right? That there are some, what did J.D. Greer, there are some, uh, the, that some political operatives have hijacked the website in the movement. Well, I think when we when we look at actually the context of, when how black lives matter was founded and the specific demands that black lives matter is seeking, this their speci- specific beliefs and objectives. I don't think that you can say that well I, and I guess it would be, depend on what Matt Chandler means by radicals, right? Like what is is he saying? Like what who's who's he actually describing when he describes these radicals? Because I would say black lives matter as an organization is fundamentally radical,
0: right? right? From the ground up.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so that is the foundation of the movement, is the Black Lives Matter organization. And if you look at how much money they're raising, the, this movement is, at the very least, surging, creating a surge in donations and in support for this organization. So when you look at the foundation of the organization, what they believe now, their objectives, the amount of money that they're raising, I don't see how you can say the organization is just sort of this tiny part of this wider movement. Right. And the 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 organization or the radicals, but then the rest of the movement is just, you know, reasonable.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a good segue. One of the things we want to do in this show is unpack a little bit of the history of BLM. We want to look at some of its statements, both in the past and and what's on the website now. And so I'm going to ask you about that in just a second. But it is interesting to me that like these Christian leaders, in a way, they're kind of acting like they're being vague for one thing. You know, that sentiment of like, well, sure, there's some bad things about it, but overall, the sentiment, I understand it. um, So maybe we can get behind it. I've also had people on Facebook say to me things like, well, sure, they're not explicitly Christian, but, you know, we support organizations all the time that aren't explicitly Christian. Well, I think my contention as as we unpack Black Lives Matter is... They're explicitly anti-Christian, and they're explicit Absolutely. in their intent to destroy Christian virtue and morality, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question.
0: So let's talk history. You mentioned uh, this earlier, and in terms of history, 2013, uh, this group arises because of which event?
1: The initial kind of instigation behind the creation of of Black Lives Matter was the death of Trayvon Martin and specifically the acquittal of George Zimmerman. Right. Which if you look at the Black Lives Matter website, they call him everywhere they mention George Zimmerman they call him Trayvon Martin's murderer.
0: Exactly. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, which is factually incorrect. I mean based on the le- the legal decision at least.
1: Yes, based on the legal decision that is not that is not true. So they're they're making a very strong claim. Without a, without at the very least, without a legal basis for making that claim.
0: And so, the organization is founded by three black women. Uh, they've been mm-hmm. in the news recently as well to kind of talk about what they're about. So, what are some of the current objectives uh, that this movement says they're about?
1: Yeah, so I think the big, the biggest one that that is is in social media and in in front of the culture right now is the defund the police movement. Um, the the hashtag the I believe in, in Minneapolis, the city council voted to to actually take action on this. Right. They want to they want to defund the police. They they think that and this is so there was a New Yorker article, an interview with with one of the founders. And she said, I think two or three times she said that black people in the, in America are being targeted for destruction, specifically by the state and by vigilantes.
0: And And she says in that article, she says, I think twice that I counted that there is an active militarized action and intent warfare by the police against the black community. Yeah. So there is, I mean, there's a pretty strong truth claim. I don't think any of the data actually bears that out, but, but it's important to understand that's one of the fundamental things that they're claiming.
1: So they, they obviously don't put, put any data in their web, in their webpage when they're saying these things. None. Um, under their, under their uh, objectives, they mention we are working for a world where black lives are no longer systematically targeted for demise. So there's that truth claim again that they're, they're being systematically targeted for demise. When you look at, at the data, when you look at, at actual statistics that have been compiled, that, that does not bear out. So what, what evidence would actually support this idea that black lives are systematically targeted for, for demise? I, I would expect to see lots of unarmed black people being murdered by cops. I would expect to see black people being incarcerated at a lot higher rate for the, you know, based on the amount of crimes that are being committed, that they're being incarcerated at a lot higher rate. But you actually don't see those things. In fact, there was a, there was a fascinating study released by the University of Washington in 2016, and it used a simulator to test Officers use the force. Really? So this is a, this is a, yeah. So this is a simulated a scenario where they're the officers are um, firing, you know, at at targets. and officers waited significantly longer before shooting an armed black target than an armed white target. And this is fascinating. Officers were three times more likely to shoot an unarmed white target than an unarmed black target.
0: Interesting. So, this,
1: the above data points, this was mentioned in, uh, by Heather McDonald in her book, The Diversity Delusion. And the, the conclusion that the, that the authors of the study reached was that these officers were waiting longer because of the current cultural atmosphere around unarmed black men being targeted by cops.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's a, a fascinating point. Heather's done a lot of really good work. Recently, she had an article in the Wall Street Journal that was titled The Myth of Systemic Police Racism. Um, it was under a paywall. It doesn't look like it is anymore. So I'd encourage people to check that out. But uh, r- really good stuff. And, and, and I, what I like about what Heather's doing is it's all data points, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Are we living in a world where black, black people are being tar- systematically targeted for demise? Take New York City, for example. In 2016, black people and Hispanics were responsible for 98 percent of the shootings in New York City. So this idea that there are sort of these vigilantes prowling the streets for black people, that doesn't bear out in the number when you look at the actual shootings that are taking place in the city of New York.
0: Right. Well, and it's interesting because you can then look at, um, you know, this, this statistic gets thrown around a lot. Uh, I think Heather refers to it in her article, but that a police officer is eight times eighteen times more likely to be killed by a black man than than the than vice versa, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right.
0: So yeah, and then you look at the statistics on black on black crime. Um, of course, places like Chicago, inner cities, Baltimore, New York is is very, very similar. Most of the deaths that are happening are not uh police on on black individuals. And one of the things to point out is not all cops are white. I mean that's a duh statement, but you know it's not as though it's just the the KKK running state police. And and this really is part of the narrative. I remember um, Ahmad Arbery immediately after the first video footage mm-hmm. came out. This is the man in Georgia. Uh, LeBron James tweeted and he said something to the effect of a black man can't even go out for a jog in America without being gunned down. What they're trying to portray is like here's a black kid, and he's just, you know, he just wants to go for a run right before Bible study, and, you know, things don't work out, and two white dudes, because they're super, super racist, just decide they're going to, you know, shoot him and kill him. And then again, once again, all the facts come out, and then it's like, well, he he was casing houses, and he was under investigation by the police. It did not fit that narrative, but people still run with it.
1: Right, right, and it goes back to that, it goes back to that elevating, sort of, The anecdotal stories, the emotive, the emotions and the feelings above rational discussion, critical thinking facts.
0: One of the things I noticed looking at Black Lives Matter. So if you go on their website and and, uh, John Harris has made a really good case for this, I'll provide a link at the end of the episode in the description that Black Lives Matter and critical race theory, it's feminism. It's all part of this Marxist religion. Okay, And. He says in there, he goes, look at the way they saint people. That's one of his argument points. And so, you you know, you have these murals of George Floyd that just he's, you know, he's got angels wings. Um, they don't tell you that he was a porn star. Um, they don't tell you that he held a gun to a pregnant woman, his girlfriend. When you actually look at the details of the people they've sainted, again, Trayvon Martin, you read about what they wrote about him. And on the Black Lives Matter website, it's like. Trayvon was a young man who was helping old ladies cross the street when suddenly George Zimmerman gunned him down for no reason. But none of the facts actually support these kind of sainthood claims. But I'm curious right. from your opinion why is it so important to them to create these individual figures that they then use to push the movement.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think it's because they don't want to they don't want to distract from their end goal and they I think that the the concern is that if the, if we're honest about this person's history then people will focus on that individual history as an ex, an excuse the whatever whatever happened to this individual. Right. And this is honestly this is one of the challenges of the 24-hour news cycle and social media is that everyone wants to make a make a determination on what happened and public officials are are pressured to make judgment calls. Judgments about thing about what happened in a situation before they're able to actually investigate and gather gather all the information. So I think that's that's one of the challenges is they want to get that story out there before all the information actually comes in. Right. So a lot of these narratives, a lot of these narratives are created before any of these things are actually known. So that's one of the problems. And then the other is even once they are known, they they don't want those negative things about the individual to distract from what happened to them. Yeah. But, I mean, as, as people, we should be able to just rationally say, we should be able to say, okay, this person was not a saint. They, they committed these crimes or they did these, these things, but what happened to them was still an injustice. They, they still right. didn't deserve to be shot or whatever, whatever it was that happened. We can, I think that we should be mature enough to hold both of those things. You know, We, we can recognize that um, – I mean, anybody who watches that video of what happened to George Floyd, I think they recognize that this cop was was way out of line. I mean, there was no reason for him to be pressing his knee on the guy's neck for that long. I mean, so so somebody who watches that video thinks, oh, yeah, what, what that police officer did was was reasonable. But does that mean we need to whitewash who the who George Floyd was in order to recognize that? And I don't think we do.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a fantastic point. Uh, One other thing I want to address in terms of the founding and purpose of Black Lives Matter, and I think this is important, it it bears, you know, importantly on our conversation, but they claim to be about supporting all black lives. My question to you is, is that really true? is black lives matter really about supporting black lives all black lives
1: yeah i'm i'm so glad you mentioned that because i think that and it, it's right on their it's right there on their website they use it unironically you know black lives matter was developed in support of all black lives but i think it's very clear that they don't support all black lives i mean for one thing they do not support unborn black lives i mean how many millions of black babies have been murdered in their wombs since 1963 i mean if there's a if there is a pandemic, that is it. Right. The, the, just the wanton taking of unborn black lives in the, in the, in the United States is just horrifying. But they, they don't say anything about abortion that I saw on their website. They might say something, but I, I also, I, because of the worldview of the people who are running Black Lives Matter, I highly, I, my, my expectation would be that all of them were pro-abortion.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is, is true, and that's been, that's been borne out in other places. And as you mentioned, since Roe v. Wade, uh, 36% of all abortions in America have been black children, uh, which mm-hmm. is an astronomical figure. 79% of all abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood clinics in America are within walking distance of minority communities. There, there's a re- they're targeting minority communities, no question. Uh, the other question that I would have is, look, okay... Um, You're about protecting black communities. Well, you're certainly not protecting them by withdrawing all police activity. That's going to be detrimental. And anybody who's experienced ghetto life, and we have a little bit in Shively, Kentucky, um, there's a lot of bad stuff going on downtown. And man, I do not envy those cops. They have to deal with drug dealers. I mean, some of the most heinous crime on a daily basis, very violent individuals, I don't think you're protecting black communities when you're allowing rioting and you're allowing people's businesses to be destroyed. I don't right. think you're protecting black lives by enslaving them to a welfare state. So we can kind of look at all these things and say, well, what do you actually do that's good for black lives? You build division and you make them hate other people groups. I- I'm not sure how that's helping black lives.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, as you mentioned, what about the black business owners? Whose businesses and livelihoods have been destroyed by the rioting, and honestly, there have been numerous uh, minority individuals who have been killed during the rioting. Right. So what what do we do with what do we do with those individuals as, as an organization? How can Black Lives Matter say that they support all Black lives if they if they don't if they don't recognize the the individuals who have been killed by the rioters and the looters, and they, and they don't recognize the businesses that have been destroyed.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Well, what I want to do now, Josh, I want to jump into some of the beliefs. Um, this is going to be helpful, I think, for many Christians saying, okay, Black Lives Matter, maybe I already put the Blackout Tuesday, whatever it was, I can't remember the day, Blackout on my Facebook profile. I've seen a lot of prominent Christians posting Black Lives Matter stickers. Um, on social media and elsewhere. Um, a lot of people, very, very gung-ho in support of Black Lives Matter, but I want to unpack the beliefs, and I, I hope this is encouraging to people to say, hey, we need to, let's examine a movement before we just jump on the bandwagon. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is one of the issues you've talked about earlier is, on, on social media and the 24-hour news cycle, and, and really, that news cycle is not even 24 hours anymore. But right. I mean, like, I've seen Christians say things like, if you watch the George Floyd video, there's no way you can't condemn these officers right now. And if you can't, then I don't think you're a true Christian. It's like, in all of this, we need to pump the brakes. We need to stop jerking our knees. We need to do a little bit of research. And when you do, one of the first things you find is this this group. Believes some pretty heinous things, certainly antithetical to a Christian worldview. So, what what are some of those issues that you've seen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, on their website, uh, we are guided by the fact that all lives matter, Black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status, or location. So, I think the biggest the biggest things on there for Christians are going to be the sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression.
0: Right. So, so we're going to see this more, but I mean, they're they're pro sexual perversion scripturally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they talk about dismantling cisgender privilege, um, <laughs> and I, I I've got to say, I cannot stand the word cisgender. It drives me nuts that we need a, a goofy word to just describe normal people. <laughs> you know, like yeah, someone who is a someone who is a man who knows he's a man and thinks he's a man is now cisgender.
0: Yeah, you're the one on the outs. And, and this is, by the way, this is what they say on their website. They say we are a self reflex or we are self reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift Black trans folk transgender, especially mm-hmm. black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by, here's another $100 word for you, trans antagonistic violence. What in the heck is trans antagonistic violence?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't either. I mean, you know, it's it's a challenge to even work through that sentence that you just Uttered. <laughs> right. But but clearly and honestly, here's that's one of the that's one of the challenges with the way that we're using language now as a culture is that it's like when when gender no longer has meaning, then even even simple sentences can be difficult to translate. So black trans women, I think what that means, I think what a black trans woman would be a black man who identifies as a woman. So I think that would right. be a, a biological male identifying as a woman. So trans antagonistic violence, I'm assuming, is they're referring to people being violent against uh, a trans woman.
0: Right. Which is just interesting because um, I've read about like zero news stories about this.
1: Yeah, right. I I haven't I, I haven't heard, heard of it. And maybe maybe it's because I'm not I'm not on the right reading the right news. Right. News sources, but I haven't I haven't seen anything about this kind of this kind of uh, crime.
0: Well, it, it's interesting too because so one thing you have to realize if if you go to a university in America right now and you take like a LGBT slash gender studies course, this mm-hmm. is like straight out of a syllabus. Everything that yeah. they're talking about, um, and I I actually do hear this a lot in the have a lot of interaction uh with people friends and otherwise who are part of the lgbt community and so i'll engage with them and i say um why don't you like donald trump well because he's waging a war against trans people i'm like the dude had the rainbow flag and they had like a party at the white house and as a christian i was absolutely appalled by this Mm -hmm. and they say well no all the time trans people are being there's violence happening and i said okay where well it's just happening everywhere It's like, man, I I just don't see it. Um, And they say, of course, they say, well, because you're white privilege, of course you don't see it. I'm like, no, like, show me data points. I want to see where all this trans antagonistic violence is happening. This idea that their stated goal. So let's put this in biblical language. Our stated goal is to dismantle what God created, which was male and female. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to destroy and to hate everything that God says. This is very good. So, from the very core of humanity, this group is against God's order and design for creation. Right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're they're opposing the the way that God fundamentally created human people to to exist in interaction with one another. I mean, being being biologically male and female. That's that is. A foundational, fundamental part of who you are as an individual. Right.
0: So it's at that point as a Christian. Look, I went on their website. I know you did as well. We made it through two beliefs, and I immediately was like, "This is garbage. I would never. I would. I would be doing everything I could to distance myself from this. If I, as a Christian,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: The fact that you have J.D. Greer, who's the president of the largest protestant denomination in america sort of like just confusing people and saying like oh this is yeah there's some bad there's some good but hey let's get out there and protest with them like to me that's untenable as a christian
1: oh absolutely well and and we we mentioned earlier that that factual statement he made that the website and the organization has been hijacked but these are the founders who wrote these things right exactly these are the it's, it's not that someone hacked into the website, and <laughs> right. hijacked, hijacked it and changed the changed all the uh, all the content on their webpage. Right. What actually happened is that they founded it in 2013 on these principles and it's been building momentum with each new sort of uh, viral video or viral right. news story to where now it's sort of at a fever pitch.
0: Right. And they have a huge network. Of, so you can look this up, uh, but through the Ford Foundation, George Soros, they've received over $100 million. There's claims going on right now, and I think there's some truth to them, that uh, a lot of the money that's been donated recently is going to the Joe Biden campaign. So they're mm-hmm. actually finding a sneaky way to uh, raise money when you're not supposed to be having fundraisers. Um, you, again, you can look this stuff up. It's all true. You got an organization with $100 million. You know they're going to be very well organized. They claim to be like, oh, we're this just loose group of, I don't buy that for a second. They're very powerful. Uh, One of the things I would point out, when I was on Google researching Black Lives Matter this past week, I typed in things like Black Lives Matter is evil, the truth behind Black Lives Matter. And I went like 10 pages deep on Google search and could find zero articles that were negative about Black Lives Matter. Now, you look at Amazon. Um, Amazon, there's a few books on Black Lives Matter. I talked to one of the authors. Um, he said that as soon as this stuff hit, Amazon informed him his book would no longer be for sale. It's a book about exposing Black Lives Matter. So there's, it's clear in Twitter and Facebook, same deal. These big tech companies, people from the left, they've all come out pro-BLM. It's not shocking, right, that you can't find any negative information about this group. So, again, the idea that they're, you know, they're not well organized, a few bad people got involved. I just don't think that's true at all.
1: No, and I mean, every time when Christians are, are posting Black Lives Matter, when they're, when they're going along with these, um, you know, the, the Tuesday, Blackout Tuesday on Instagram, when when Christians right. go along with these things, they are, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they are aiding and abetting this organization in its very anti-Christian objective. That's so right. I think that's where the true danger is, is that Christians say, you know, well, I I I'm just supporting the general idea that Black Lives Matter. Well, of course you are. Everyone does. I mean, there. I'm sure there are some, uh, you know, super. There are some tiny enclaves of racist people who may who would actually disagree with that. There, I'm sure there are some racist people who would say no, black lives don't matter. Right. But the vast majority of people in our culture, Christian and non-Christian, would agree with the statement "Black Lives Matter" in general. You right. know, in the sense of they're created in the image of God. They are they are fully equal to um, white people and people of every other ethnicity, um, so of course, black lives matter in general, but christians what they're they're thoughtlessly posting that hashtag or sharing things on social media when they're when they're going along with these things, they are in, uh, unintentionally or intentionally aiding and abetting this this organization
0: right, and I think as Christians, like Paul tells us this, we have to think about you know, whether our eating of meat would lead someone else astray. We have to think about how the associations work. And there's no question if you're going to post to Black Lives Matter. Well, oh, I just I'm accepting the phrase, not the group. I think that's kind of foolish. Right. Um, and what is what is that doing for other people? You're clearly going to lead people astray who don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and let me use a counter example, Eric. So imagine trying to convince a card-carrying member of the Democratic Party to post Make America Great Again onto their social (laughs) media. Yeah. (laughs) So just tell them, you know, it's, it's not that you're supporting the Trump campaign. You support, if you believe that America should be great, then why wouldn't you post this hashtag? You don't have to support the Trump campaign. You're right. just supporting the general idea, make America great again, which is everybody sees that that is silly because no Democrat in his in his or her right mind would would post make America great again on their social media account because it's associated with the Trump campaign. So right. the Black Black Lives Matter as a phrase has a very specific meaning in our culture, and it is specifically associated with this very anti-christian organization.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal point and and liberals would not be caught dead even uttering the words make America great again.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I
0: want to I want to move on to just a couple more of these uh, belief points. The next one that we're going to look at, this this one actually bothered me maybe kind of the most, I don't know. They're all pretty just, you know, they're they're all pretty disgusting, but this one it says this on their website. Our goal, we, we disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you read Western-prescribed, you should, you should read God-ordained nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. Read statism, especially mm-hmm. our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable So, I mean, dude, their stated goal is we want to destroy Western Christian family.
1: Yes, and that one one was unexpected to me. I understood the... Like, what 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 does that have to do with Black Lives Matter, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I I, I wasn't surprised by the transgender stuff, the queer affirming, because that that makes sense in the culture that we live in. But I was really surprised by this specific statement against the... uh, Against the nuclear family, and you know what's fascinating, Eric, when you look at that at that passage, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable, it does not mention fathers.
0: Well, and and they state elsewhere um, that they're against patriarchal. They use the word patriarchy to some extent somewhere, Mm -hmm. and and they say that they're against that. So here's another one of these ironies, Josh. Like, what the heck does the Black Lives Matter movement have to do with families, and fatherlessness. You know, the thing that has plagued the black community, and everyone knows this, it is clearly demonstrated in data points. The black community has been destroyed by fatherlessness. They know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. And yet you've got a group saying, we're about black lives. We want to help black lives. And one of the things we want to do is continue to erode and destroy families and particularly father's roles. And you're right. No word of father is used. Mother, parent, children. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a. I would argue it's a. It's combined with a feminist, Marxist hatred of men and patriarchy in general,
1: right? Yeah. So the when you look at fatherlessness, when you look at children who grow up in single parent homes, regardless of the ethnicity, right? There is it makes such a difference in. In so many things health education long term out long-term effects like um, career earnings I mean there are so many so many things that are associated so many um, markers of just general well-being and human flourishing that are associated with whether a child grows up with a father and a mother
0: right and undeniable as you said, like this stuff is backed by Scientific research—it's just undeniable. If you have a father in your home, children do better. And you can point right. to data points like fatherless homes—you mm-hmm. know, kids are going to jail at high rates, promiscuity, sex outside marriage, stuff in the past we'd all traditionally say is bad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But but Black Lives Matter wants to double down on that model, right? Of of eroding the the nuclear family.
0: That's right. And so the the next thing that they talk about. Uh, on their beliefs page they say we foster a queer affirming network when we gather we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he or they disclose otherwise
1: oh. there you have there you have the mutilation of the english language yet again
0: yeah, I mean, we have to, and, and no joke, like I was thinking about this even while reading that sentence, like we have to castrate the words and reorder the words. Yeah. And what you get is just nonsensical garbage.
1: Well, it, it, they really are developing their own unique vocabulary. I mean, I, I, the word heteronormative, I mean, did that word even exist three years ago?
0: I'm like, sure some college word... professor made that up.
1: <laughs> so... So what they're saying is, so, and, so let's think about this from kind of a logical perspective. So what they're saying is we shouldn't assume that everyone is uh, heterosexual. What we need to do is, is assume that they, they are not. But when we look at, like, when you look at the numbers, I think what uh, homosexuals or non, non-heterosexuals, I guess, are 3 to 4% of the population. And, I mean, I would think that that is probably an extreme exaggeration. You know, I would think that that is, I don't even think it's that high.
0: Are you trying to say that heterosexuality is normative,
1: Joshua? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yes, when you look at the data, it is it is normative. But like the majority of people just are heterosexual. Now, with the with the trajectory of our culture, that may change in the future. But so what they're saying is you can't you, you we want you to ignore what is actually the case and start assuming that people are not heterosexual.
0: Right. Against nature and against obvious, visible distinctions.
1: Yeah, against nature, against God's design, clearly. Yeah,
0: and so, I, I mean, for Christians this should be clear uh, what the issue is here. But again, you can go to a number of passages, Romans 1 and 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul's very clear, those who practice homosexuality and mutilate gender in this way, he says, will not inherit the kingdom. Um. Mm-hmm. So what we have to distinguish is in supporting this group, you're supporting a group that is joyfully sending people to hell. They are glad to damn people for all eternity. And what kills me is, right, you got J.D. Greer and Matt Chandler and guys like this, and they're all about the centrality of gospel preaching. Man, this is a gospel. These are all gospel central issues. And that's what i don't get why now all of a sudden they're jettisoning uh, these things. But I read a a quote, it was today, from Doug Wilson, and I thought this was really good. This is sort of tongue-in-cheek, but he said this. He said, while the prevailing winds of Black Lives Matter have virtually all the respectable types in our society leaning at a 45-degree angle, while we glance over to see our evangelical leaders leaning at the same angle in the same direction. And this is what's tongue-in-cheek. He says this, there must be a great deal of spiritual courage involved. I thought, man, what a great quote. What's going yeah. on with our leaders in reality is they're just trying to win favor with the world. They're trying to keep their seat at the cool table. It takes absolutely zero courage to come out like J.D. Greer did and say, hey, yeah, we're, we're sort of kind of, I don't know, maybe we're, yeah, Black Lives Matter. That doesn't take courage. I think what it would have taken courage is coming out and saying this group is blasphemous. We will not support them. And then starting to point out some of the data points. You want to see Vadi Bakum has done this. You want to see black communities grow? You need fathers. You need to end abortion now. There's a number of things that you could point to that are factual and true. But again, th- I think that would be the, cur- you know, the courageous position, not siding with mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. That takes no courage right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. There is no, there is zero cultural risk in saying black lives matter. But what's fascinating to me, Eric, is that you see a lot of people praising individuals for how brave they are. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, I I did see, I did see people on their videos, right, saying that same thing. Oh, J.D. Greer, so brave.
1: And it it really doesn't take, it's not, it's not brave. I mean, it's a a capitulation to the culture. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I, I also think this is interesting because... So you obviously have these mega churches across the country. That's sort of the direction our churches have gone, even in conservative circles, is, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to be about the big church model. And so people are pushing for that. But there was an article today, uh, at least I read it today. uh, Someone had shared, but the Southern Baptist Convention has had record drops in churches and people attending. Now. Some of this, obviously, is because of the live streaming, but we're talking people leaving the, den- the denomination, right? So yeah. it's interesting because these guys, I think, they think they're pretty clever and pretty slick. And the thing to do is to appease the culture and, you know, not offend people. But this is a historical across the centuries trend. When you go liberal, when you pander to the culture, your church dies.
1: It's unavoidable. Right. I mean, this is this is sort of the fallacy of thinking that you can sort of play the political game. Right.
2: Right. right.
1: You're, you're going to try to please both parties by saying, you know, J.D. Groove's video and Matt Chandler's, they're both a good example of this. Like, I'm going to say I support Black Lives Matter, but I'm not going to support the organization and some of the some of the things that they say. I'm not going to specify what those are, but I'm just going to say in general, I don't support the whole organization. Well, that's not going to be enough for the leftist totalitarian.
0: You're not going to make either party happy.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So what you're going to have is you're going to have the conservative folks like me leaving the SBC. Um, not that I'm saying I'm leaving the SBC, but you're going to have conservative folks leaving the SBC because, because you're not taking a stand against the culture. And then you're, but you're not going to have liberals flocking to your, to your church because the liberal the liberal, the liberal worldview doesn't lend itself to faithful church attendance.
0: No, that's a great point. Um, last thing, Josh, I want, I want to delve into. And this is regarding Black Lives Matter and their beliefs, and then we'll wrap this up. They say this, we are working for a world where black lives are no longer systemically targeted for demise. So, and I would actually, I, I would kind of throw in one other thing at this point, which is that if you look across their website and in the articles that their founders have been interviewed, even recently, they they refer to their friends as comrades. Um, they're clearly Marxists. They clearly don't want to hide that, and I think even in this language on this last point about systemic targeting for demise. Look, you have to understand this all in a critical race theory, Marxist principle, and and um, view of look. They see everybody as oppressor oppressed, right? And so even if the yeah. data points don't support those claims, they view everything. Every relationship is founded on that principle that there's an oppressor class and there's underprivileged. And so what they're trying to do is overthrow power structures, right? They say right. they're about equality, but they're really not. And I think you can look at some of the data, as we've said, um, and it just, that's not what you find. It's not backed up by truth.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, think about, think about the number of unarmed black people who were killed in twenty nineteen. So let's look at last year. How many unarmed black people were killed by police last year? Nine. Nine? Nine people. Nine. The way that Black Lives Matter talks, the way that they act, the the, the type of verbiage you see on, on their website, you would expect that number to be in that thousand.
0: Right. thousand, nine, 9 hundred thousand
1: Yeah, some astronomical number. It was nine. Nine unarmed individual, black people, black individuals were killed by police last year. Now, here's here's where here's the real kicker, Eric. When you go back to 2015, so that was the last year that President Obama was in office. The number was, I think, 32 or 38. It was 32. So we'll just go with 32, the lower the lower number. So it was actually worse. There were actually more unarmed black people killed. In 2015, than by police than in 2019.
0: Wow. Well, and you know what's interesting about those statistics is, I mean, you're talking about percentage points that are so small that they're almost next to zero. Um, and I've right. read that some of that from Heather McDonald. And when you look at the data, it's it's very interesting because some some of the things they say, unarmed black man, well, he was in his car trying to run a cop over. And so, yes, he didn't have a firearm in his hand, but right, unarmed right. doesn't necessarily mean innocent, but, but those numbers are astronomically low. So then you have to ask the question, why does this website exist? Why does this group exist? Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I want to kind of conclude with a couple of things, hopefully that will present application for people. Um, and number one, and this is, this is also sort of an objection, but something that people need to think through. Can you support the idea without supporting the organization and what should people's posture be toward black lives matter?
1: Yeah, I, I do not think that you can support the idea of black lives matter without supporting the organization. If what you're talking about by support, the idea is posting on social media Black Lives Matter, right. you know, and going going to these rallies and protests in support of of the protest. The if you're talking about the I do think that there's a distinction between believing that Black Lives Matter, which everyone does, and right. actually supporting this cultural movement and supporting this cultural movement, I think, is a mistake for any Christian.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point just to make very very clear and that that is what we're saying i think as a christian it's untenable to really to lend support in any way um including and you made some great points including using that slogan um yeah and i would encourage yeah, christians absolutely. too is like dude stop stop just like playing along with it because you feel like that's the thing to do um mm-hmm. I, in a way i think it would be better to just be silent like if you're not sure Hey, look into the organization. But in the meantime, you know, even the fool, when he keeps quiet, seems wise. You know, there's some Mm -hmm. wisdom to that. But certainly as Christians, we don't want to be supporting things without thinking through what we're doing.
1: Exactly. If we if you come across as a Christian, if you are interacting with people and you hear people or you see people on social media saying these things, then ask for ask for reasons ask for them to, to defend the, the claims that they're making. Right. Let's, let's just start sort of pressing back against these assumptions and say, okay, if there's systemic racism, that is absolutely a problem. So where do you see, what, what data can you point me to right. to, to demonstrate uh, systemic racism?
0: And that's not, despite J.D. Greer's comment, that's not unreasonable to, to ask for information. You can do that in a polite way.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to be jerks about it. You know, we can, we can ask and be open-minded. And I think this is, that this is a helpful position to take whenever you're talking to someone you disagree with, is you just be open-minded and ask them, okay, so what led you to that conclusion? Now I will forewarn you, most people will hate that more than if you had just said something offensive to them because they, they don't they don't actually want to give reasons for what they believe, but this is i think this is the most hopeful way that we can go forward is whenever you're interacting with someone who is supporting this movement and a professing believer to ask them to to you know what 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 reasons do you have what what led you to this conclusion
0: right, and we should if especially if we're that adamant about you know protesting preaching sermons on it, you ought to have some data you ought to have some information that you could explain that
1: if i'm going to if i'm going to take up a if i'm going to take up a cause take up a movement and participate then i'm going to have i'm going to make sure that the things that i do and say are based on sound reason
0: right well the last thing i want to ask you josh uh, we'll we'll do this and then we'll close but um you know just at a practical level somebody's in a church i had a friend tell me this you know he said look i don't really know what to do uh, my pastor is posting on the church website, Black Lives Matter. Um, they've blacked out the church page. He's blacked out his own personal page. Um, if you go to Herschel York's church, he's washing feet of the black members in the church and asking for forgiveness, um, which is just a huge conflation of actual repentance and, mm-hmm. um, you know, actual sins committed.
1: Repenting, Repenting for non-sins.
0: Yeah. So... If you're in one of those churches, maybe your pastor's downtown, marching with Black Lives Matter, is it a gospel issue to you? And um, what, what what would you do? What were some of the things that you would be thinking through as a Christian attending a church like that?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that I think I would do is meet with my pastor and ex- express my concerns because I I think that this is I don't I don't know that I would say it's a gospel issue. Um, in some in some ways it is because what's the definition of sin? How are we actually defining sin? Because if, if your pastor is saying that you are obligated to confess your white privilege or something like that, I mean, that's, to me, that is a very serious, right. that has reached the level of a gospel issue. But if your pastor is, is someone like J.D. Greer or Matt Chandler um, saying, saying these things, like just kind of vaguely, we support the movement, but not the organization, then I would meet with them individually and try and express your concerns and talk through them. Because, depending on the issue, it may be serious enough to where you want to reconsider where you're attending church. Right. Um, if 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 your pastor is going to be preaching that you and your family and your children need to repent of your white privilege, I mean, that is a that is a, a very concerning issue from the perspective of the gospel, what is sin, what should repentance look like.
0: But yeah, I thought about that, you know, read an article about Herschel York washing the feet of a black man because he's... Oh basically because I'm a white racist, but there's no actual sins committed. I think actually, yeah, you are distorting the gospel. Um, That's a situation where I I would, you know, I'd meet with them, but, you know, chances are I probably would be leaving that church. And I think one of the things that's helpful during this time is there's a lot of bad things happening, but one of the good things, I feel like it's a Gideon-like moment for the church where sort of we're being whittled down to the most faithful people And Mm -hmm. that's when a lot of, historically, that's when a lot of movements are actually most potent. That's when the spirit and and God is going to get the glory through working through people. So I would also encourage people, man, be networking, be be connecting with people who are of like mind and being biblically faithful on this issue. I want to find the people that are being courageous right now, and I want to stand alongside them. And so, you know, not to be totally pessimistic about where the church is at, uh, Chicken Little, that sort of thing. Um, but, but there's some good things happening as well. Um, but yeah, for my family, I definitely would want to uh, make sure that, you know, certainly if you met with your pastor, you know, and you showed him the black lives matter website, like if he looked at that and he goes, yeah, it's not a big deal. I mean, I I think he'd be leaving, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, I, I find it hard to imagine a scenario where a pastor says that to me and I, I think, okay, there's, we can, we can still stay at this church. Right. Well, some great stuff, Josh. As I said, we'll
0: have links at the end. I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. It was, it was an honor. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Hard Men Podcast. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.